KMTT, Kimitzion Teitzei Torah. You are listening to the Arab Shabbat program, Arab Shabbat Kodesh Parshat B'Shalach, <clears throat> Yud Bet Shvat, and I am your host, Jonathan Snowbell, host for the lack of a better word. A shir I uh, gave last night, and it's always interesting when one gives a shir, even a shir that one gives many times. You re-evaluate your formulations, re-evaluate where you put the stress on, and something different comes out every time on the basis of your evaluation of what you previously have delivered and on the evaluation of the dynamic that you are facing as you are giving the present year. Of course... The term dynamic here is questionable, to say the least. But believe it or not, I think there is a dynamic here as far as uh, how one presents any material. We all grew up on the fact that the reason we don't say halal the last six days of Pesach is because we don't say halal on Shvi Shel Pesach. And if we can't say halal on Shvi Shel Pesach, we can't say halal on Cholamoid, which is less important than Shvi Shel Pesach, which is a Yom Tov. Why don't we say halal on Shvi Shel Pesach? Because the Egyptians drown in the sea. My creations are drowning in the sea, and you are saying, are praising with a song. And as a result, there is no halal on Shvi Shel Pesach or Chatzi halal on Shvi Shel Pesach, the seventh day of Pesach. And as a result, that the Shvi Shel Pesach is a Yom Tov, and we don't say halal on the Shvi Shel Pesach, so we certainly can't do, say halal on Cholamoid, which is less important than Yom Tov. That's what we all grew up on. This is uh, largely due to the fact that that's how the Mishnah Brura explains the Shulchan Aruch, who says that we say halal bedilug, chatzi halal, on the last six days of Pesach. The Midrash that the Mishnah Bura quotes, not in the context of halal at all, the, the Midrash that the Mishnah Bura quotes is a agadic Midrash, a non-halachic Midrash, which comes up in two different places, the Masachat Megillah and Masachat Sanhedrin. And in fact, very consistently, the idea that certainly that God is not happy at the downfall of wicked people, but not only that God is not happy at the downfall of wicked people, but that this limits our ability let's say before our ability, it limits the ability of the angels to sing the praises of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But not only does it limit the ability of the angels to sing the praises of God, but it limits ours as well. The famous Midrash regarding the splitting of the sea was said with regard to the angels. The angels requested to say a song, 
And Kadosh Baruch Hu answered them, My creations are drowning in the sea, and you are saying, and you are singing a song. But before that, the Gemara quotes a story in Divrei Yamim where Am Yisrael, on the eve of fighting a war in which they have been told by the Navi that they will be victorious, limit their praise of God. Hodu la Hashem ki le'olam chasto. Instead of the traditional Hodu la Hashem ki tov ki le'olam chasto, they say Hodu la Hashem ki le'olam chasto. In other words, us, we too, limited our praise of God at the face of victory because it also was related to the downfall of wicked people. And in this, God is not happy. And when God is not happy, we are certainly not going to antagonize Him by singing the praises of God. This Midrash is a Midrash that uh, I would say uh, is very popular and more than popular, I would say it is well accepted as Torah fact. There are three major problems with accepting this attitude as Torah fact. And right now with my fingers, I'm making those quotation marks with my index and middle finger on both hands. One day we'll have a camera here too. Number one, the Gemara in Erchein explains to us that the reason that we don't say Halal on the last six days of Pesach is because as opposed to Sukkot where each day is an individual holiday, the last six days of Pesach are essentially an overflow from the first day of Pesach, and this is indi- indicated by the fact that every day of Sukkot there a different korban is brought, as opposed to Pesach, where every day the identical korban as the first day is brought. That's number one. Number one is that the Mishnah Bruah, for some strange reason, got out of hand and explained something that was explicit in the Gemara for halachic reasons, and explained it with an Agadah from some other place that does not relate, that the Gemara in its, in its original place did not relate to saying Halal on Pesach at all. Secondly, it is important to note that this Midrash that is brought down in the Gemara and Megillah and the Gemara and Sanhedrin, though it's very clear as to what it says, that there are Midrashim that disagree with this Midrash. There are midrashim that imply that the, the desire of the malachim to say shira was not when the Egyptians were drowning, but during the night while Bnei Israel were crossing the sea, where they were still in peril. And that God said, my legions are in peril and you are saying in front of me praise and song. For those of you interested, this is in Shmot Rabbah, Parashah Kaf Gimel. And not only does the Midrash say that the Malachim were only limited from singing a Shira when Bnei Israel were in peril, 
But the Midrash explicitly goes on to say that once B'nai Yisrael got out of the sea, then not only were B'nai Yisrael given the right to sing before the Malachim, but the Malachim too sang as well. They sang afterwards also. The Midrash is playing on very similar elements as the Midrash, that we, the, the famous Midrash that we've brought from Megillah and Sanhedrin, but it completely changes the meaning of it. And the implication being that it was only inappropriate for the Malachim to sing when B'nai Israel were in danger. But once they were saved from danger, they were allowed to sing, as of course certainly B'nai Israel were. Point number two. Point number three. Maybe there'll be a point number four. I, I promised three. I didn't really promise three, but I said three. We're going to go to point number three now. How much can a midrash impose a worldview? in the face of explicit psukim in the Tanakh, in the Torah. Ashira la Hashem ki sus B'nei Yisrael sing and rejoice that the, the, the horse and its rider were thrown into the sea. The chariots of Paro and his army were thrown into the sea, and his choice riders drowned in Yamsuf. And so on and so forth. Saluka ofer de They sank like lead in the great waters. And those of you who challenge my interpretation of Maimadirim as great waters, you can write me an email, I'll explain to you. The Pshat is Maimadirim, great waters, and not that the great warriors, the Egyptians, sank like lead in the water. But write me an email if you're curious about that. Shirat Hayam is so unbelievably clear that we are celebrating not only our salvation from death, from slavery, we are, we are celebrating the destruction of our enemy. Our enemy who claims that they are going to run after us, capture us, divvy up all our, the booty, empty out their sword carrier on us, in other words, slaughter us, and we are happy that not we, but they, were destroyed. The destruction of evil is a good thing. There is evil in the world. There is evil in the world that may be in a vacuum, maybe in ideal circumstances, could be changed. But those 
environmental needs that would allow them to change are not really available in reality. It is very possible that if the right person at the right time got Osama bin Laden into a room and deprogrammed him for a year, we could be machzir him b'tshuva, we could make him repent and see the errors of his ways. But seeing that the likelihood of that happening is nil, Osama bin Laden remains as an evil element in the world. His destruction is the only way of curbing his activities, and therefore his destruction is a happy event, a good event. Shirat Hayam is clear. Shirat Hayam is clearly not a negative event in the history of B'nai Israel. It has been eternalized not only in the Torah, but in our daily prayers. That we praise God, and we praise God for destroying our enemies. Because anybody who wants to think that Shirat Hayam is praising God merely for saving us, is not reading the text of Shirat Hayam. And the fourth point then, which I've essentially already touched on, is... I'm afraid to call it this, basic human nature. I'll have to clarify this point. It is normal, it is natural for a human being to be happy at the destruction of the person or people or army that threatened them. That's normal. Now, (coughs) say to me, well, it's normal for a man to be attracted to any good-looking woman that he sees, regardless of whether she is his wife, she is somebody else's wife, and the Torah comes along and says, well, that's, that's wrong and that's bad. That's true, but the Torah comes along and says that. Here, the Torah, I think, is very clear. So then you say we have a Midrash, Torah Shabal Peh, Chazal. Well, this is not Chazal, Chachameinu Zichronam Libracha, this is an opinion in Chazal. Often we can sell an idea as an idea that appears in Chazal. And Chazal is an acronym for Chachameinu Zichronam Libracha, our sages of blessed memory. And then we essentially, by quoting anything and anything that's Torah Shabal Peh, we give the seal of our sages. Every single one of our sages unanimously voted about this idea. And in fact, what we really should say is that Rabbi Yochanan in the Gemara in Megillah, or Rabbi Yonatan in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, and those of you who actually look in the Midrash Shmot Rabbah, which I quoted as opposing Midrash, we'll see that Rabbi Yochanan was the author of that Midrash. Chazal don't have a unanimous decision about this idea. And then if you ask me, if there's an idea that is clear in Torah Shebikhtav, it has support and Torah Shabal Peh. And frankly, it seems, it appears, to sit well with human nature. Which approach am I going to choose? 
I'm going to choose the approach that B'nai Israel were right to say Shira. Even the Malachim were right to say Shira because the destruction of evil is a good thing for the world. And we will continue in the footsteps and pray for the destruction of evil and rejoice at the destruction of evil. Because when evil is destroyed, it's destroyed by God. God's hand is there in history. And we're not going to blame God for the tragedies, blame in the sense that God is responsible for tragedy in the world, and then not give Him His due thanks when He destroys evil from the world. For some people, this shear has slaughtered a holy cow for them. I invite the listeners to look into the sources that I've mentioned. Contact me if you'd like to ask more questions. You can contact me either through the comments at kimitzion.org or you can send me an email directly at jsnowbell, J-S-N-O-W-B-E-L-L at gmail.com. In any case, we have what to think about at the Shabbat meal, the Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom to all our listeners and to all of Am Yisrael.